Over the past several months, we've been going through the book of Leviticus. We come to Leviticus chapter 14, verses 10 through 32. Our New Testament complementary passage is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So if you would open your Bibles to Paul's epistle to the Ephesians in honor of God's word, please stand. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, hear God's word. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, having joined it together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Leviticus chapter 14, beginning in verse 10, and continuing in the reading of God's word. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed in these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with a log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering like the sin offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the, right, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. But if he is poor 
and cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. Also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And on the eighth day he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his right hand on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, in the place where the blood of the guilt offering was put. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed, to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer of the two turtle doves or pigeons, whichever he can afford, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering along with a grain offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for him who is to be cleansed. This is the law for him in whom a case of leprous disease, who cannot afford the offerings for his cleansing. Thus far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Father, as we have read, we come to hear your word. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. So maybe you have a birthday that you are longing for. If you are under a certain age, it may be that your 13th birthday is the one. On my 13th birthday, I'll finally be a teenager. Now, for those who may be a little older than 13, if you remember all of the excitement and passion and zeal you had for becoming a teenager, how many of you would like to relive your teenage years? Or maybe it was your 16th birthday. I remember my 16th birthday. Man, I I woke up. Woke up. (laughs) I've got a driver's license. (laughs) I need to go to the store and get a jug of milk, Mom, for breakfast. (laughs) I think she saw me around dinner time. (laughs) I was in that car and gone. Until I discovered I had to drive that car to work all the time to afford the engine repairs and the gas and the tires. A day that we look forward to that evaporates, that turns into disappointment, that isn't quite what we've longed for, that we look back on and go, yeah, that really didn't live up to what was in my head. We're at a different day here. The leper has gone through seven days of cleansing 
And he's been looking for day eight for a long, long time. He's been cut off from his family. He's been cut off from his tribe. He has been exiled outside the camp. He has been forced to always proclaim himself unclean, unclean. He is reduced to the state where he can only do as the lepers do and cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Whether he's rich or whether he's poor, whether he's a king or whether he's a slave, this disease strikes out of nowhere and by the time you see it, the corruption has eaten you from the inside. And there is no hope. And to live in that fear. But also then to live in that hope. Maybe God will heal. Maybe this will be resolved. Maybe I can come back home. Maybe there's hope. And so our leper finds himself standing on the outside of the camp waiting for the priest to come. That was the first nine verses of chapter 14. Waiting for the priest to come and saying, Priest, would you look at me? I think I'm okay. And the priest does this amazing ritual with living water and a resurrecting bird and the identification of verses 1 through 9 that Nicodemus just couldn't get. (laughs) Nicodemus just couldn't see it. But he does this amazing ritual. And now here we stand on the eighth day in verse 10. Now I'll bet our leper has been looking forward to that particular day with as much zeal as any 12-year-old ever looked forward to becoming a teenager. And I'll bet you that leper has been looking for day eight with as much passion as any 15-year-old ever looked for on his 16th birthday. (laughs) That leper has been living for that day. Literally. And so let's pause just for a moment and let's look at the scene before our leper. Let's look at the scene that God sets for us here as we consider this day that this leper will identify with for the rest of their life. On day eight, we see three things in this scene. We see an equality before God. An equality before God. We see a beautiful scene of restoration. Restoration. And then we see, finally, consecration. Equality, restoration, and consecration. Now the thing with leprosy is leprosy can be caught by anybody. It's a bacterial disease. 
And prior to the late 1930s, there just wasn't any treatment for it. Prior to the discovery of antibiotics, leprosy just was something you had to, you had leper colonies, you had isolation, really didn't understand how the disease worked and progressed. And it can strike anybody from a king all the way down. But one of the things that Leviticus shows us is not leprosy as a medical condition. It shows us leprosy as a metaphor for a spiritual condition. If you get that, you'll understand Leviticus. If you don't get that, This all sounds like gobbledygook to you. This all sounds boring. If you do not recognize this is a metaphor, God expects you to listen to his word with a brain in your head and understand that this is not some caveman version of a scientific medical book. And it's clear that it's a metaphor because... What are the offerings that are given here? Did you hear them when I read? Sin offering and guilt offering. What did the person do that visited sin and guilt upon them? Why is the leper more sinful than anybody else? And the answer is they're not. It's a metaphor. The guilt and the sin that leprosy typifies is a guilt, it's a sin that comes from within. It's a guilt, a sin that that corrupts the whole body. A sin that by the time you see the surface of it, it has eaten its way from the inside out. Sin that so controls your life that it determines who your new family is. Sin that so dominates you that it determines your own community. Sin that isolates you. Sets you apart from God and from His people. Sets you out in the cold. Alone. You know, there was a time in my life when I was not walking with the Lord at all. And I remember many a time when I was not walking with the Lord, sitting in a room and looking around and realizing I had no friends at all. There wasn't a soul in that room that I would have ever visited if they were in prison or in the hospital. And I knew for a fact there wasn't a soul in that room that would ever visit me in prison or a hospital. The loneliness, the isolation, the cutting off that sin is, the brokenness, all of this finally restored. But beloved, both rich and poor need the same restoration. Did you see it? The wealthy one brings this one. The poor one brings this one. But both of them are bringing sin and guilt offerings before God. There is no distinction. It does not matter what your degree. It does not matter what your income. Your poverty is not an excuse for your behavior. And neither is somebody else's additional wealth. 
we all breathe the same air, we all bleed the same blood, some in mansions and some in mud. But beloved, we are all going to stand before God one day. And it does not matter who you are, where you come from, what your excuses are, every single leper will stand before God either saying, Jesus touched me and made me whole, or will stand before God with their leprosy finally and fully displayed and revealed. They are both completely equal before God. But they're also equal not just in the culpability, they're equal in the restoration. And I want you to notice, just as we shift to that second point of the restoration, I want you to notice the similarities between verse 20 and verse 31. This is in the case of the wealthy one. The priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. And then verse 31, this is for the poor person. And he shall offer, uh, sorry, uh, verse 30 and 31. He shall offer of the turtle doves or pigeons, whichever he can afford, one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering, along with a grain offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for him who is being cleaned. The same cleansing. The same promise. Rich or poor. Beggar or billionaire, we all have the same leprosy. And we all are offered the same restoration. And, and as I said last week, or we pointed out last week, the problem, the reason Nicodemus couldn't get this, the new birth, the, the reason Nicodemus could not understand it is because Nicodemus could not get it in his head that he is the leper. Later he did. Later Nicodemus came to understand that he was the leper because later we see him identifying with Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ first encounters him, that's Nicodemus' exact core problem. He doesn't understand what Jesus is speaking about because he does not understand that the leprosy is a metaphor for his own sin. And the need that he has is for the healing that a leper has. Now here our leper stands, day eight restored. If you remember from last week, shaved head to toe. Brand new clothing. Washed head to toe. Restored so that the lamb slain, the blood of that lamb, that creature that has died on his behalf, is now dipped on his ear. So that everything he is ever to hear must be, must be made holy and pure. So that everything he does with his hand, everywhere he goes with his feet, or to walk in ways of righteousness. God has purchased him. He has bought him with a price. And the lamb 
on that altar is the price. And as that blood is marked on that leper, and as that poor lamb lays there dead, the priest is saying, now God owns your mind. Now God owns your hands. God owns your feet. That lamb is there dead so that you can stand here restored to God. Beloved, if you don't think that day stands out in that guy's memory, (laughs) if you don't think that's a significant day in our leper's life, beloved, see, see that lamb. See that lamb dead on that altar. See that leper. See that leper standing in the place of God's courts. The priest in front of him. The whole assembly seeing the leper restored. His family welcoming him home. His very life restored back. See that lamb laying there, dead. And know that that's you and that's me. Restored and brought home. And then finally we see this consecration. This third element of the picture. Because you see, as much as the gospel, if you've been in my home, you know that I have my painting. And I talk about it all the time. (laughs) And it's Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal Son. And the reason I love Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal Son is because the light that is in the painting is there on the embrace of the father and the prodigal. And Rembrandt is making the point that it's only when we are on our knees with our head on the father's breast and the father's arms around us that we understand the gospel, that we live the gospel, and from there our lives have light and beauty. But beloved, it's only there when you and I see ourselves as the leper restored, it's only when you and I are on our knees barefoot and nothing in our hands like the prodigal that we truly understand the embrace and that he then says to us, now stand on your feet and be my witnesses. The oil that is given to us in Scripture is always a sign of blessing and communion with God. Oil is a sign of rejoicing and refreshment. Oil is a sign of abundance. And the same places that the blood of the Lamb touched, the oil of consecration touched. And I want you to think for a moment, just real quickly, I want you to think for one moment. How many Israelites stood before the congregation, 
stood before the assembly. How many Israelites stood before the multitudes and had people witness them being touched with the blood of the lamb on the ear and on the thumb and on the toe? Being touched with the oil on the ear and on the thumb and on the toe. Two categories. Priests and healed lepers. Beloved, that's you and me. Lepers healed. Priests of God. There it is, all right there. All right there in this amazing picture. Lepers healed. Priests of God. That's why these, these, these mysterious pictures, that's why these long-winded passages, to show us not just the details, but in those details to open up and show us creation itself. Do you think that our leper remembered day eight? Do you think our leper was marked for the rest of her life by what happened on day eight? Do you think our leper would constantly tell all of his friends, do you see the dried up scars? You see, I still still have the disfigurement from the disease. Yeah, yeah, the fingers haven't grown back. There's still disfigurement. But man, there was a day. There was a day when I was restored There was a day when I was consecrated. There was a day when I literally was brought back from the dead. Do you think our leper knew that day? If you see the leper, you see the healer. If you see that you are the leper, then you see that Jesus Christ is the beautiful and perfect healer. I've said before that I'm not a big fan of telling other people the details of how to live their lives. Because I've found over the years that if I can just tell you how lovely His face is, if I can just communicate to you how beautiful my Savior is, if I can get my vision through of this amazing Lamb of God who took away my sin, who consecrates me, who sets me up to His service, who can continues to welcome the prodigal home, even though day after day after day I betray him. If I can show you how beautiful and loving and compassionate he is, I don't have to worry a thing about how you live. 
You just have to see the same one I see. You have to be in love with Him like I am. And if you're in love with Him like I am, I'm going to leave it to Him to how He does that work in your life. There are right and wrong, absolutely. He gives us His law. He calls us to walk in His ways, to walk consecrated in the paths of righteousness. It doesn't leave us to just follow our inner light. He gives us His word, His will, and His people. But beloved, He gives to us such a beautiful, beautiful picture of a leper healed, of a leper cleansed, of a lamb slain. The very image that our leper has been gorily, gory, Gory in the way in which he has been identified has for you and me become nourishment, joy. In in Sunday school, we said uh, we were noticing part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We where where Jesus Christ sends forth the apostles, and he says specifically, "Don't go to the Gentiles." And we noted that the mercy of that is because the Gentiles, the first they ever heard of the kingdom of God was through the witness to a crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus. That's what you and I get. They got the promises. And they had to trust in the promises. They had to see the Lamb in the promises. You and I get the reality. Almighty God and gracious Heavenly Father, What you have done for us in Christ is amazing. Do that work through us for Christ, which itself is amazing, of drawing men and women to new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.